you. Let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. As has already been said, a beautiful day. And we thank you for uh, how you've kept us. Uh, we ask your blessings each and every day of our lives. And, and you provide those, God, as a good father would. And so today we just simply ask that you will open our hearts and minds as we hear your word. Uh, the study in Proverbs is such a wonderful study. It's a great reminder to us all. And it's a great thing to remember how we should live each and every day. So would you help us today, from the youngest to the oldest Christian, the youngest to the oldest person here today, would you help us to understand more fully what Solomon's trying to tell us in the Proverbs? Uh, would you guide us and strengthen us in all that we do? We're mindful of this weekend being Labor Day. Many people are gone, we understand that, and we just ask your safe travels for them and get them home safely to us once again. Uh, we just ask your blessings now to be with us and guide us and strengthen us. But as your word is planted in our hearts, Lord, let it grow. Uh, let it prosper in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a short scripture this morning, so you won't have to stand very long. But would you stand with me as we read God's word from the Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Here's where it was written to us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. May God be praised for the word that he's given us this day. Thank you. You may be seated. This sermon today could easily have been what I preached a few weeks ago. Um, listen to these with experience. Listen to those people who have experience in life, who, who hopefully, as they have learned from their mistakes and grown from them, are not necessarily in a position of authority, but of knowledge and sensitivity to what they have done. And in turn, they are desiring to see others not make the same mistakes that they may have made previously in their life. Don't do as I did or don't do as I do. Do as I say do would be um, to slightly diversify on the old statement that we all know. Yet in order, order to truly teach our children or our young folks, and even in certain cases, aged folks with, with maybe no experience in certain aspects of life, in certain places and situations that maybe others have been in, we have to remember these experiences that, we have, uh, that have allowed us to learn what to do and what not to do in order to pass our knowledge on so that others may benefit from what we have done. This should be the perfect job for nearly every one of us in this room today because we are all prone to making mistakes in life. We all do it at one time or another. In some ways, being able to forget our past blunders, our mistakes, our, our sins even, if you want to go that far, would really be great, wouldn't it? We could wake up to a new day each day with no guilt, no remorse, every day, couldn't we? Now, wouldn't that be great wouldn't it be good to have a clean slate each and every day that you wake up? If you look at how much depression and anxiety there is in the world, being able to forget, <clears throat> being able to forget our past would really be of benefit. Think how much less, ideally at least, 
alcoholism and drug abuse there could be potentially in the world if our past did not follow us around. Let's face it, I think for the most part, the world would be a better place if we didn't have the burden of our past weighing us down, period. But we do. And we have certain choices to make with what we do with our pasts. The bad thing is even with drugs and alcohol to numb our minds, we still are going to wake up to the same problems that we had previously. We're just going to feel worse physically because of it. But this is the beauty of Jesus. It's through him that our sins, that our our past mistakes, our blunders and so on have been forgiven and forgotten. But here it is one time we have, with the sacraments, we have a reason to remember what has been done for us. And that's a good thing for us as Christians. Our foundation has been created and based to a large extent on on the past. All the hope we have in the future is centered around what took place in the past all for us. But to help us dwell on that future, To give us confidence that we can go into the future with our past just as it states literally behind us. We need to remember the past instruction and heed past warnings. And where do we get those? Where do we get those warnings? Well, first and foremost... You go to the scriptures. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Teaching tool number one, then, should be the word of God. It should be like a duh moment. Where should our second tool of teaching then come from? From those around us who have walked the paths that we have trod before, or that did before we did it, who learned maybe these same lessons either through heeding God's word first and not doing some of these things, or who learned the hard way on understanding that God's word could save us a whole lot of grief and heartache if we'd have just listened to it first. Should we totally forget our past? No, not entirely. There's an old saying that um, insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. I believe we could change the word insanity here to futile living in this particular instance. If we forget where we came from, in all likelihood we're going to revert back to those old ways of living and become frustrated with ourselves all over again. That's going to lead us back to old habits, and that's not necessarily a good thing. The spiritually mature person is going to be one who remembers his past, but uses it as motivation to not act on it again, ever again. Here's where Solomon is, I think, as he is writing Proverbs chapter 3. Solomon was writing this, you can be sure he had the people of Israel on his mind. He knew the history that they had created, falling away from God so many times. And then after experiencing the lowest of times, separated from the Creator as they were. 
They had to repent from their sins and return to Him. Praying that they would be accepted by Him once again as they repented. And of course they always were. Look at Deuteronomy 32 verse 18. Moses rebuked the people for following other gods. As it says in verse 18 of Deuteronomy 32, you forgot the the God who gave you birth. That pretty well sums it up, I think. See the old story of Luke 15, the prodigal son here in the Old Testament. It's the overarching theme of the entire word of God. I will be your God if, biggest word here in the English language, if you will be my people. Had they simply followed God's commands to them, they would have they would not have had to, have to experience all this unnecessary pain and heartache that they endured. And sadly, I guess often didn't learn from it. The book of Deuteronomy was full of one thought. <clears throat> Teach your children. All throughout, the people were encouraged to continue to teach their children the precepts of God. Why? So that they would go, wouldn't go and do the things that they did. And so as Solomon is writing Proverbs 3, I'm sure he's thinking along those lines. Why did they have the various feasts every year? You ever stop to think about that? Why especially did all the men, 12 and older, have to go to three of these feasts at least a year? They were mandatory. Most especially, Passover. So they would remember what God had done for them, taking them out of slavery to the Egyptians. Why do we have the Lord's Supper today? Given to us on the night that Jesus observed the Passover the last time with his disciples. We have the supper so that we might remember how God took us out of slavery ourselves. But out of slavery to sin. You see, these lessons taught so long ago are still reminders to us today to do the same thing. To follow God, to hear His commandments to us, and to obey those commandments. Why? So that we might remain in right relationship with our God. Deuteronomy 8.11 tells us this. That is then, so many years ago, but then he's also telling us these words today. You see, people are people, and they are going to do things their own way. I don't care how long ago it was and what it looks like in the future. Hear these words and see if they don't pertain to us now. Take heed, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I command you this day. Deuteronomy 8.19 simply sends the Israelites and us a stern, foreboding message. And if you forget the Lord your God, and you go after gods and serve other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you this day, you will surely perish. Does it get any straighter than that? Judges 3, 7 sums it up. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, forgetting the Lord their God. Can you see how this thinking, this language from so long ago, could pertain to us 
as a nation, as individuals, and even the church. The church? Really? We, in many cases today, are forgetting our Christian Reformed values. We're getting so caught up in helping the world, not a bad thing, mind you, but at the same time, we're forgetting to bring the message of the gospel to the people who are lost. In many cases, as Paul warned at Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Did you hear that? They will not put up with sound doctrine. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. When we want to really sin, I don't care what the sin is, who are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to people who, people who are telling us that our sin's okay, aren't we? You'll steer clear of anybody who's going to lead you away from the sin that you want to commit and not lead you astray to the sin you want to commit. You'll stay away from them as far as you can, won't you? Can you see how this can pertain to us today as well? What's the definition of insanity again? Doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. If we keep repeating history, our heritage given to us by God's chosen people in the scripture, the Israelites, how can we expect to have any different outcomes? And what again is the first verse of our reading this morning? My son, do not forget my teaching. This is why it's so important that we listen to those who've been through much of what we may be as young people or maybe new Christians who, who perhaps feel the urge to return to some of their old ways have gone through. We should learn from others' experiences. Maybe even many of us as, as mature Christians who occasionally let the world get into our ear and we start attempting to think of ways that we're so vastly different and superior to young Christians or to those who might be struggling in their faith or, or to those who perhaps attend a church whose who, um, theology, whose doctrine may be a little bit different than ours. Yeah, we might disagree with them. But to lord it over them is wrong. Or some churches do. They simply protest quite loudly when certain events they deem uh, come to their areas that they deem evil. They'll protest those things. Like the burial of a soldier defending his country. For the life of me, I can't figure that one. And yet there are people who do that. Or the signs telling people that they're going to hell because they believe in worshiping in a different way. Maybe even something as simple as telling them that they're all going to hell because they believe in infant baptism or in instrumental music in worship or because they don't read the Bible in the same way that we do. We forget God. Listen to this one. We forget God and try to become God. Have you ever thought about that? We forget God and try to become God. Let your heart keep my commandments, Solomon wrote to us. 
In other words, remember what you've been taught or are being taught. Do not simply write it up as another sermon or a Bible lesson and then check that day's box off. Read and study to show yourself approved. Not occasionally, not when you think about it, but daily. Psalm 119.11 I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Did you listen to those words? Hidden in my heart. Not so that we can't find them, but that you can guard them and you can guard those words carefully. When you were young and you had something very valuable, at least it was to you, no, no matter what it was, did you usually leave it out for the world to see? Most of the time, probably. You trusted everyone around you so that there wasn't really much reason to hide it, was there? But what if somebody that you trusted broke that trust? You'd hide that valuable from everyone, wouldn't you? Hiding God's word in your heart is to protect that word that you place so much value in. You didn't want to risk it being stolen or taken away. Yet, you might take that valuable on occasion for some to see anyway. Maybe they haven't hurt you so bad, but, and you'll let them see it, but not very many. Most of the time, you just keep it locked away where you knew it was at all times. That's what being, uh, is being suggested here. And I remember what the jewel that you have locked away is, you and I. It's God's inspired, inerrant word, profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work. See how 2 Timothy and Psalm 119.11 fit together? If we could just do that all the time, we'd have fewer problems, wouldn't we? The world wants to pry God's word out of our hands. Satan wants to do it, especially telling us, hey, that paper, that, that word that you have and that, and that book you've got, whatever they, whatever they call that book, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Just here, give it to me. I'll get rid of it for you. Unfortunately, a lot of people do just that whether by innocently letting it slip away or purposely tossing it away. Many lose what perhaps was once locked away in their heart. Some never even take time to lock it up. They look at it and toss it in the garbage. In this passage in Proverbs 3, again, Solomon is writing to his son. Remember that. It appears he has taught his son is now offering encouragement to keep him uh, to keep close to him what he has been taught wherever he goes. Only his son can walk that walk. Just like we must walk our own walk. Will it be a walk of faith or a walk down a well-trodden path of life waiting to strangle another soul in its grasp for the cause of Satan? For us, are are we going to keep what we've learned trapped deep in our hearts so that when Satan comes calling, we can be ready to withstand what he attempts to take us down with? This is where Solomon is when he offers these words to his son. He offers those same words to you and me today. 
as well. I had a friend in Florida that used to tell me his memory was good, good and short. <laughs> of course, he was kidding to some degree because he was one of my elders down there and one of the godliest men I think I've ever known. But how about us when it comes to our knowledge of the Scriptures? How's our memory? I said not long ago that we don't need to be Bible trivia champions. That, quite honestly, can be as much a hindrance as it can help at times. But are we learning the Word? Even more importantly, are we learning how to apply it in our lives? Not long ago in our Kingdom Manifesto, we heard Jesus say that there will be many who say, Lord, Lord, who will not enter into the Kingdom of Heaven. That can mean so many different things. But one thing for sure it means is we may know the Bible, but do we understand it to the point of using it in our lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. If we do understand it, are we going out and doing what Jesus told us to do? And are we teaching and preaching the gospel to any and all that will listen? If we're not doing that, are we, are we at least going, giving others that we know, maybe know and love, maybe even they're just acquaintances to us, are we telling them what Jesus has done for us in our life? Are we even going so far as to simply invite someone to church with you? If not, how well do we really understand the Bible? How well are we keeping the word locked in our hearts that we might not sin against God? In other words, are we keeping the word or are we forgetting the word? Do we grind on it daily or is it just from Sunday 10-ish to 11-15-ish? Is that all the time that we have for God's word? If God's commands, laws, and statutes, if, if Christ's example of how to live are indeed in our hearts, we're not going to forget it. I can assure you, it's there, trapped in there some, some way, some, somehow. But do we, do we ever act on it? Or do we just have it here and it goes no farther? So what happens when we do remember? What happens when we start developing a desire to learn and grow in God's Word? What happens then? Well, Solomon says, like this in verse 2 of our reading, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Well, now, Elder, why didn't you just say that to begin with? I, I remember God's Word. I guess I'm going to live to be 200 then, am I not? Uh, not quite. On the one hand, maybe following God's will for us can add years to your life. You stay out of trouble. You stay out of the line of evil. It's just waiting to swallow us whole. And maybe it can add years to your life because you stay out of harm's way. That may or may not happen. I really I couldn't tell you for sure. While it may not make a difference in the quantity of life that you have, I can promise you it will add to the quality of life that you have. Also, is it going to take away all our problems? Once we, we accept Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, will that, will that just end all of our problems and we live happy and carefree the rest of our days? 
Certainly not. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise either. But the sheer blessedness of having Jesus Christ in your life through the many blessings that life can offer us as well as the blessedness of having a wonderful church family like we have here at Hill City, these are previews of what heaven is going to be like for us. This will get us through the most difficult times in life we will ever have. I have heard so many times people who have lost a loved one and they've asked me the same question. How can people not have Christ in their life and make it through something as difficult as this is? That's a great testimony in and of itself. To keep God's Word in your heart. To know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior every day in your life. Death will no longer carry any weight in your life. To truly experience overcoming the difficulties that life can offer. Life in a sin-sick world. We simply look to Jesus to be the hope of our future. No matter how long that future might be here upon this earth. But you see, it simply won't matter. We try to give our children, our families, all that we can of this world, don't we? Whether we mean to or not. We We don't want them lacking in anything, do we? If you truly want to show them the love that you so desperately want to give them, start teaching them the Scriptures. Start showing them the love that Jesus has waiting for them. Show them a way of life that will follow them into adulthood until it is that time when they have the opportunity to start teaching their children. Start teaching them the simple way of Jesus. Though they may venture from it periodically, they will return to it. Sadly, that's what I have to keep telling myself about my grandkids. I'm banking on that promise. But you can too. So if we let the ideals of the world rise above the place where the Word of God should be in our heart, well, we're, we're going to experience problems. We're reminded over and over again in the Old and New Testament, godliness is profitable for this life and for the life to come. God's not looking so much to give us health and happiness here on earth, although that helps. He is looking to give us strong character, one which we can display to the world to exemplify to all we come in contact with that we have God's Word in our heart and we are going to live it out. He wants to show us and have it locked in our heart that there is a place far greater than this earth could ever be. And it can be ours. We too can stand on the promises of God. This morning, if you don't know those promises, a whole new world awaits you. For some of us who may be a bit older than some of the others of of you all, then we We get to jumpstart our minds and and memories and we get to start locking down some really neat stuff if you're just now beginning to read the Bible. Things that we can share with others, young and old. Our passage this morning began with a personal father-to-son plea. Don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Start that for yourself today, won't you?
Come and join in. No love. No heaven. And no a peace that passes all understanding. It can be yours. Remember? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this morning. For the words from Solomon. As he was speaking to his son, we know the, almost the desperation he had in his voice as he is saying these, as he's writing these words to his beloved son. So many people that we know and love, so many people who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so many people who are allowing themselves to get into difficulties that are going to be really, really difficult to get out of. If they just listen to those who know, let us be that voice to others. Let us be that reason that others may need. Guide us, Father. Strengthen us to that end. And be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.